is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, one of your hosts, Dan, here, along with Brandon again. Nick on vacation, just plans them so perfectly, and. <laughs> Uh, the voice that you hear laughing in response to Nick Verlaine being on vacation is none other than uh, the journalist of the hour, Matt Law, in terms of uh, finds himself at the center of the storm of Chelsea. Well, um, yeah, I'm always the center of the storm at Chelsea, fortune. I'm not trying to say that means I get everything with Chelsea, but I'm always it's always dominating my life, shall we say, Chelsea. Uh, what a time for Nick to go on holiday. That's a magnificent effort. I'm just glad I hadn't because there's no way I'd still be on holiday. I'd be called back from holiday at the moment. So, yeah, that amuses me. I hope he's got his feet up. Uh, his, uh, I, I, we, we, we don't have the same type of recall ability from him on vacation. Exactly. So uh, def, definitely something where uh, Brandon and I will continue to have the conversation today. Obviously, we're going to be talking a lot about the events that have happened over the past week uh, from the Chelsea's current owner, Roman Abramovich, announcing he was handing over stewardship of the club to announcing publicly that the club is up for sale. Uh, but before that, Brandon, we just want to kind of tie off on a couple of uh, quick kind of items of note. Yeah, obviously, our thoughts continue to remain first with the Ukrainian people currently fending off invasion from Putin and Russian forces. There's many charities you can donate to to provide critical aid at the moment. We're supporting essentially Red Cross and uh, World Central Kitchen. Also, none of us are lawyers. We don't know that stuff. We're going to stay away from that stuff uh, because there are real world ramifications. Um, and then lastly, what's accurate in this moment may change an hour, two hours later. So we're reporting as of, you know, Thursday morning, uh, the 3rd of March. Uh, so bear with us as the situation continues to be fluid. So we'll continue to share more as we learn it, but we've got Matt here. So uh, it's been a big week for you, Matt. A lot of articles have been coming out, a lot of things to touch on. Um, I think we should just kick off with the beginning of saying, how did we get to the point of sale since we kind of started the, this past weekend? with him handing stewardship over to the charity, uh, the, the foundation side of the club. So it, it started for me last Friday. Uh, Thomas Tuchel held his weekly press conference. Um, and in the newspaper section, which is the bit that you don't guys don't see filmed, we asked him for the first time about the situation in Ukraine, Russia's invasion, and obviously all the talk around Roman about that, which we don't need to get into. And as you will have seen from the, the, that evening and the next night, Thomas Tuchel spoke extremely freely on it, which was a big surprise, I've got to admit, um, about how honest he was, about the uncertainty it had caused, um, about how it became a distraction, about how it clouded thoughts. Now, that I went to bed on Friday night thinking that interview was really significant. I just thought Thomas Tuchel has made it clear here, and he might not have meant to have made it clear, but his words make it clear to me that while this situation in Ukraine is going on, and while MPs are calling for Roman Abramovich to be sanctioned, we can say that because that is a fact, um, We nothing will be the same again. Nothing will be the same again at Chelsea. So I went to bed on Friday night thinking everything's changed now, literally everything's changed. Saturday obviously made a lot of calls. Now I got wind early in the day that something fairly major was going to be announced by Chelsea. I didn't know what, and I tried all day to find out what it was going to be, and I couldn't find out what. 
but every, there was a lot of chatter that something major was going to be announced. And you're obviously two thoughts, or it's either to do with the owner or to do with the manager, one or the other. Saturday was a very, very tense day for me because I couldn't find out what it was going to be. I knew that there's a statement going to drop. Obviously, that became this thing about the trustees. I've got to be honest, my first reaction to that statement was I didn't understand it. I just didn't understand it. Um, I then got talked through it. I started to get my head around it, but immediately thought this is not a sustainable position. It's just not going to work. By Sunday at Wembley, it, it transpired that some of those trustees had spoken to the press and basically told the press that this thing hadn't been signed off. They weren't sure whether they could do it. Everything started to descend into a horrible mess, quite frankly, around the trustee process, uh, mainly because one or two of those trustees spoke to the press, which I can't criticise them for because I am the press and I like people talking to us. But it, it did make the process quite messy for, for Chelsea. And, and even more so, it became quickly that this thing wasn't sustainable. By, <clears throat> by Monday is when I first started to talk to people who were saying to me, Roman's, Roman's listening to bids. There's going to be bids this week and Roman's listening to bids. Now, news like that is not easy to stand up and confirm. I don't think I managed to actually confirm it on Monday. Um, we went with a story on the Monday that uh, the trustee thing was falling apart, that Chelsea might have to rethink the whole thing and that there were doubts and that uh, potential buyers believed there was an opportunity. Tuesday morning is when I managed to stand up certainly that bids were going to be made and that there was an outside feeling that was not disputed by Chelsea, and this is key, that uh, Roman may actually consider them for the first time. That became on Wednesday morning, first thing Wednesday morning, um, I got news by sort of 9am. Obviously, the Swiss guy had come out in Switzerland, but I got news by 9am that not only the Swiss guy came out, but the club is officially up for sale. Um, and that there would probably be some sort of confirmation down the line. I didn't know that the confirmation would come by the evening. But yeah, so yesterday morning on Wednesday, news club for sale. Boom. Um, and yeah, and here we are. Uh, well, as you tweeted, uh, beers uh, appropriate probably for uh, having had such a uh, wild run up into this moment. I, I guess, Matt, as you've sourced this information, what's the attitude kind of in in the club, kind of surrounding the club with the people that you speak to? Obviously, this is a seismic shift in a very short span of time, and so... I think it's all very fresh for a lot of people. I think people are struggling to figure out how to process this information externally. And I'm sure internally the challenge is just as high, if not even higher. Yeah, I mean, on Saturday and over the weekend, people at the club were still quite bullish about the fact that they thought that Roman didn't want to sell and could could sort of ride this through without selling and come up with another way, even if it wasn't the trustees of of creating some distance uh, while things are difficult for him and then coming back uh, to take control of the club. But by Monday, there started to become an air of resignation. Everything was piling up, not just with the club, but in terms of external pressure, like I say, MPs, calls. We had the leader, leader of the Labour Party, our opposition party, uh, question our Prime Minister about why he hadn't been sanctioned. Um, and it just you could just feel there's a resignation that, this just couldn't continue. It couldn't continue. Now, 
I don't think a lot of people knew on Monday or Tuesday that the plan was for Roman to actually put the club up for sale. I think a lot of club employees, um, and this is not blowing my own trumpet, probably actually found out after I wrote my story. Um, but um, there, was a, there was definitely an air of resignation that the, the, the just situation around the ownership and trying to ride it out just wasn't a sustainable position. It wasn't going to work. So as you think about the announcement and maybe kind of talking through some of the specifics in that as we break it down, uh, maybe kind of the, the first two big items of note are the writing off of the 1.5 billion pounds, it's billion with a B, pounds that uh, the club would owe Roman, that he could call back the note on, and that the net proceeds would be sent to a charity that he's setting up to deal with uh, victims of the war and crisis in Ukraine. Uh, can you talk us through what your understanding is of, of those items and maybe kind yeah. of how those came together? So the the loan, I'm assured. So none of that, none of that money. That that it's not just that he won't recall it in. None of that 1.5 billion from any sale or anything will ever go back to him. He will never see that that money again. That that's gone. So that's what that means. It's quite straightforward. In terms of the proceeds, what what happens is obviously in terms of selling a club, a bit like selling a house, there are associated costs. So you will have lawyers' fees. You will have um, a stamp duty. Uh, I don't think you have it over there, but in England, if you if you sell a house, you are taxed on the sale of the house, um, and there are other fees involved. The fee, let's say that the price ends up being about two billion for Chelsea. Let's just speculate that the fees would rack up to the sort of millions, two, three, four million pounds would be the costs. Those costs would come out. The proceeds are everything else. So if Chelsea are sold for around two billion pounds. If we're taking this at its word, which we have to do, I have no reason not to take it at its word. I don't have any other information. If we take it at its word, the net proceeds will be almost £2 billion, minus sort of four or five million, which in a £2 billion transaction is sounds ridiculous to say is peanuts. Is it like stupid question, but like that's a lot of money. Like, is that almost like... It just seems like to go to to one group and one thing. Like hopefully, no, it's not going to what. That's not quite true. What they're doing is that he's. If you read the statement, says that they will set up a foundation to then distribute gotcha. money to charities and groups. That, that gotcha. money, that money won't go to one charity, and it probably won't go anywhere all in one go either, because it's like you say, two billion pounds. You can't just transfer two billion pounds to a few accounts. In reality, that money will go into a foundation that over a period of time will be donated to several different charities at several different points of time when it's needed, as it's needed, when situations occur. It's not realistic to think that somebody can have £2 billion and just transfer it either into one charity or straight away into sort of three charities. Oh, it, it would have created there. more problems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, and, you know, I, I guess there's a lot of people being, oh, well, it's positioning from him to avoid further sanctions because, you know, he did say he doesn't want this to be a quick sale, right? He wants to go through the due process. He wants to find the right party. I mean, at the same time, you've just, you know, you know, laid out for everyone that there's a ton of pressure on him. Do you have any sense of a timeline? Like, do you think it will be done before the summer transfer window? 
or is yes, he really yes, just yes, being I like i do i i still think i still look i know what what, what was in roman abramovich's statement but i still think that they're looking for a quick sale um there is a deadline set by the merchant banker in charge of it uh, called rain there is a deadline to get bids to them by march 15th now that doesn't mean that chelsea and abramovich have to stick to that deadline because it's a deadline set by the merchant banker but there is a deadline there to get bids in by march 15th i'm told there will be bids this week if there haven't already been bids to be honest if there have been bids this week i probably won't find out about a, an actual bid being made but i'm told that the bids will go in this week if they haven't already certainly the cutoff point that most people are working to is march 15th i i still think they are working to a quick timeline here. And I do think that any takeover will be done a long time before the summer transfer window, yes. Matt, do you think that with this information being so public, I think this is obviously much different than the way that Chelsea have handled situations previously. I think obviously there's external circumstances that are influencing it. But the fact that the announcement the club is up for sale uh, is kind of like throwing up the, the sign in a car saying for sale and putting the number on it to let people know that they can give you a ring and buy the car. Um, is this, from your perspective, to generate more activity around the sale? Is it to relieve the pressure kind of maybe of the, the governmental sanction level? Like where are we at with how, how, how this is being kind of done and perceived? Yeah. I wouldn't want to go into whether it's being done about the government sanction level because I think there are legal issues around that and I, I sure. wouldn't want to speculate on that. Um, I certainly think it's being done to try and generate an auction. Um, I definitely think it's being done as well. To I know he's put in a statement about taking his time, but again, you would imagine it speeds up the process. Everyone becomes aware of it. Everyone knows. Everyone goes, right, let's, let's, get, our, let's get our stuff together and, and go for this. So I think it probably speeds it up a little bit. I think it probably does bring in new bidders who might not have come along were it not so public and obvious. I think there was also a need from both Roman's view and the club's view for some transparency. Uh, there were more questions than answered about everything in the last few days, and there was just a need for transparency. And also, and again, please don't take this as me blowing my own trumpet or anybody else or, or the media's own trumpet, but once you have media reports everywhere that the club is for sale, you have to respond eventually. You you have to. If 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 as a media we'd have never got wind of the fact that the club was for sale, if I'd never have written yesterday morning the club's for sale, if other people hadn't followed it up by managing to confirm the club's for sale, then maybe he wouldn't have made the statement because that there might not have been the need to. Everything could have been conducted in secret. But it was it was so far out there that there was a need for transparency. And it, I did feel from the statement as well that there was a want from Roman Abramovich's end to be respectful to the fans and let the fans know what's happening rather than the fans sitting in complete uncertainty. Yeah, it's uh, generally not the area we like to sit in, uh, you know, in terms of uh, especially in an information age. You know, as you kind of talk about the the timeline, um, you know, you mentioned 
likely bids by the end of this week, but a mid-month, you know, in your piece kind of talked about like the 15th of March being kind of the, the cutoff that the bank has set for receiving these offers. Uh, you mentioned you think some will be done, kind of put out sooner, and you think that it could go faster. Are you sensing that the $2 billion mark that, you know, you kind of touted and talked about is likely where it's going to end, or do you think it goes higher because of this bidding war that they're trying to create? I don't think it ever gets to $3 billion. I, th- I could see it maybe getting to $2.5 billion, but it, the, the, the nature of the thing just doesn't lend itself to someone coming along and paying um, over the market odds. And, and given the stadium situation at, at Chelsea, um, it, it, it isn't actually worth £3 billion. Roman has actually valued it at £4 billion. If you speak to experts and financiers and people who value these things, because of the basically because of the stadium and ground situation, it, it just isn't worth that much money. Then, when you add on the facts of the whole situation at the moment and what the world is going through, and what Roman Abramovich personally is going through, and what Chelsea as a football club are going through, it's only going to bring the price down. So, I think it will it will land somewhere between two and two point five billion. Is is sort of my educated guess based on some information I've received. And are there, I know you've profiled it in your piece, but maybe as we talk about it here, there are a few individuals who maybe have uh, made more public declarations of their intent to be a part of that uh, consideration. And those are maybe, you know, not made a public declaration, but have either had historical interest in the club or maybe new interest in potentially purchasing the club. Who are a few of the candidates you think that are likely the most serious when it comes to being a true contender. Yeah, well, look, the ones the ones we know for sure at the moment are, are this joint bid between Hans Jörg Wiss, uh, the the Swiss billionaire who now resides in New York, um, who was teamed up with Todd Bowley, who was a part owner of the LA Dodgers, um, and some other American investors. Now we don't know all of their identities, but we know those are the sort of front guys at the moment. Hans-Jörg Wiss went on the record in Switzerland, which is quite unusual. Um, not always the cleverest thing to do in terms of an acquisition of a football club. But but I'm told that should that group get control, the main money is not going to be Hans-Jörg Wiss's money. And he would not actually be the front man of the group. He would not be the main guy. It would more likely be Todd Bowley, who has kept absolutely silent. Um, they're they're very serious. They will make an offer. They will 100% make an offer. And they believe that they can get it done quite quickly were they to be put in position. They have their funds sorted. They are in the process of doing background checks and things. They think they can get their due diligence done very quickly. They think they would pass fit and proper tests very quickly. They believe that they're in a very good position uh, to do a quick sale. So there, you would have to say at the moment, from what we know, that they're out in front, but there will, there will be there will be parties we don't know about because in these kind of things, it's very possible someone comes and takes it over without us knowing. It's quite actually rare to have the identities of people uh, for sure interested in buying a football club. So Jim Ratcliffe is someone who's shown a historical interest. He is Britain's richest man, owner of Nice and League Un. His spokespeople are really playing down the prospect of him making a bid. 
saying that he has previously felt that Premier League clubs are overpriced and that he wants to concentrate his efforts on Nice and keep his money very much focused towards Nice rather than uh, another football club. Sometimes you get told these things and they prove not to be true, but that's what his group is saying. They're, they're very much playing it down. There's some other people in and around who are interesting. There's a, there's a family called the Ricketts family who are an American uh, business family who I think have uh, part of the family own the Chicago Cubs. Uh, you guys might be able to tell me better. I think they are a baseball team. I'm not brilliant on my American sports. Uh, that, that, that is correct, are, yes. Chicago Cubs. Yeah. They are definitely looking for a football club. They've shown interest in Tottenham in the last few months. They have shown interest in AC Milan. I would be surprised if they don't look at Chelsea, although unless they have some sort of financial backing that we don't know about, just in terms of the family's net worth, it doesn't look like they've really got the money to do Chelsea on their own. So they would probably have to be part of something. I'm told there's an American bank along with some individuals who are interested. I don't know the identities. There's going to be lo- there'll be loads of interested in terms of who actually puts firm bids in. It could end up being quite a small field because it's such it's such a big deal. And then you've got to process the fact that people will say that they will do due diligence and do all the background checks, but they won't have time to. You know that the, the if they're getting a bid in by March fifteenth to the uh, to the bank, the merchant bank, they won't have time to do all their due diligence by March fifteenth. So a lot of these people, if they're going to bid, are actually going to have to bid quite blind. Um, and that will put off people. Well, we have a ton more to get into. We're going to take a very quick ad break and we're going to come back. So we want to thank the sponsors for financially supporting the show and uh, hear them now. All right, Brandon, I know we want to dig into some more conversation with Matt. I'm going to kick it over to you to kind of talk about some of the um, impacted individuals by the sale, because uh, obviously this isn't just impact to Roman, impact to us as supporters, but it's also impact to uh, plenty of uh, staff individuals who count on Chelsea for a livelihood who maybe now have tons of questions about what their future looks like. So, so why don't you go ahead with that? Right. I mean, I think it's very understandable that the news coming out Saturday probably affected the headspace of Tuchel and the players. I think Tuchel talked as much about that. Um, you know, even then the the sale report dropping right before lineups, uh, before Luton Town. Um, what is your kind of sense of what's going on between players and and the staff and i mean does even rip all the way up to like petter check neil bath marina i mean i'm sure yes but i guess like do you have a sense of kind of where everyone's at with this um i get the sense that the the players and the sort of that level of people uh will be in shock quite frankly i mean thomas said it himself after the luton town game that the players were pretty much having their meals and, and reading the reports out online and in newspapers that the club was for sale before the club had confirmed it. And they hadn't received any confirmation then. They were just literally sat around before the Luton Town game reading these reports. I know that from the outside, it can seem remarkable that that, that happens, but that's how football clubs operate. When when the really big decisions are made, the, 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 the players themselves tend to only find out an hour or so just before a statement goes out, if that. So they'll have they'll have been part of reading all the speculation. Well, it wasn't speculation. They'll have been part of reading all the unconfirmed reports yesterday uh, before the club actually confirmed the news. And and there was definitely definitely a sense of shock. I mean, when I first put my story out on Wednesday morning, I got an influx of calls from 
players' agents and people around players asking me what it meant. Was it true? Did I know for sure what will happen to Marina? What will happen to this? What will happen to that? What will happen to contracts? People obviously, it's like if anything, you know, if you if you hear your own company is going to, about to be sold, your immediately thought is, what does this mean for my position? What does it mean for my friend's positions? What does it mean for this thing that we had in the process and that thing that we had in the process? So it's all the same. A bit higher up, it's different. Look, I'm speculating here, but I think it's a very sound guess that Marina will have known quite a long time before a lot of people. I doubt whether my report, let's face it, came as a surprise to Marina. I think she she was probably on it already, in fairness to her. Um, she works very closely with Petr Cech, but I doubt whether she could have even tipped off Petr too early on this because he's so close to the playing staff and things, and they couldn't have taken the risk of uh, anyone on the playing side finding out and the whole thing leaking. So Petr might have been a bit later. I know that they all travelled to the Luton Town game together. Petter, Dave Barnard, who's the club secretary, and a few other sort of high people high up in the hierarchy. And they were all chatting. I know for a fact that they were all chatting on it on the way to Luton. They were all talking about who might do what, uh, the potential repercussions. But people haven't made decisions on their futures. You know, no one's, no one's looked at this and thought, right, I'm packing my bags now because I'll be leaving with Roman. That They're going to have to let the dust settle and see what happens a little bit on a on a takeover before people become very sure about their own futures. Now, and Matt, I also know that you kind of put together the article about Marina potentially having a part to play in the club even after Roman leaves. I think people have assumed, oh, well, Roman put her there. That's kind of the situation, their package deal, but people are independent individuals and can make determination for their own future themselves. And so um, what's your sense about uh, kind of what her position is um, and how that might evolve over the next, you know, couple of weeks, two months. Yeah, I'm told she hasn't made any decisions. I'm told it's a little bit disrespectful to think that just because Roman Abramovich is selling, that, that that means she just sort of follows him out the door and that she doesn't have a mind of her own. I think that is probably disrespectful. I think it's a bit disrespectful to think she's only capable of working for one person. She will have a huge dilemma on her hands, don't get me wrong, because she's worked for, for Roman Abramovich for 20 years now. Um, and she has been his eyes, his ears on the ground, on the football level. He has given all responsibility over to her, and she will now have a big dilemma. I'm told that one of the groups interested in buying Chelsea would certainly want a conversation with her about her potentially staying. They they know all about her. They know how valuable she is, and they certainly wouldn't be looking to come in and just ask her to leave. Um, I think what potential buyers would need to know is, can Marina be team Chelsea under another takeover or is she more team Roman and nobody knows that and Marina hasn't made any decision but I know that Marina absolutely loves working at Chelsea I can't see her working for another English football club could I see her working overseas at a football club a lot of contacts she's very highly thought of in Italy where she won that award recently she would certainly get job offers but I don't know. If she's going to stay in football, I think maybe she'd probably look to to stay at Chelsea to start with. Um, but as I say, it, it will be for a new ownership to decide whether they feel that she can be as committed without Roman there. And also whether she's prepared to accept, even if she kept her same position on the same salary, there would be a dilution of power. 
because a new ownership just wouldn't know her like Roman knew her and wouldn't be able to just put everything into her hands. So her, her power would be diluted in the short term. And is she willing to accept that slight process? Or does she think, you know, this is a good time for me now? I've been at, she has been at Chelsea pretty much since 2003. Obviously, she's worked away at the company a lot. Um, but she's been there a long time and maybe she'll think it's time for her. But the, nothing's been decided. It's a big dilemma for her. Um, and I do think it is disrespectful just to think, just because Roman's going, that's the end of Marina Granovskaya at Chelsea. I, d- I don't think it's as simple as that. Would you say it's the same for individuals on the the board? Because I think we, we, you know, one thing we should clarify, and you know, I think you did a great job of this in your piece, is that the plan to transition power to the trustees has been abandoned. We're going to go back to the model of the existing yeah. board running things day to day. Uh, Bruce Buck, Guy Lawrence, Eugene Hennebaum, uh, those are the other three individuals, either the chairman uh, first and then the executive and director of the board. Um, as relates to their futures, typically when there are ownership changes, group changes, those can be some of the first people that get shuffled around. Um, do you have any line of sight or under understanding about those positions and what that might you know, kind of entail for them? It's really difficult. I can only speculate... <sighs> I can't even speculate. Actually, it's just it's just such a difficult uh, a difficult question. That I mean, people like Eugene Tenenbaum. My speculation and my guess would be that I think I'm not I'm not really sure he will stick around without Roman Abramovich being there. Bruce Buck's an interesting guy because he obviously has a lot of influence at the Premier League. Um, he he acts for Chelsea with the Premier League. I mean, he was he was part of the Premier League until the whole Super League thing when he sort of had to step down from the board with the others. But he he's very influential there. Um, and I could see that potential new owners, if they don't have that football experience or Premier League experience, that there would certainly be value in, in keeping Bruce Buck around. But whether Bruce Buck would be prepared to and whether a new ownership would be prepared to have Bruce Buck as chairman usually new owners have their own guys to fulfill these roles it's just so so difficult to to second guess so difficult to second guess to be honest with you um so there'll be a lot of uncertainty but what i would say is having reported on chelsea for so long and i've never got anywhere near roman abramovich so i can't speak for roman abramovich here um, so this is everybody under roman abramovich there are a lot of great people who work at chelsea and a lot of leaders in their field So whoever took it over, I think, would be silly to come in and sort of wipe through it with a clean brush because you'd be getting rid of or alienating an awful lot of talent. So it's a good situation for someone to come in because a lot of those department heads are pretty much the best in their field. Obviously, we've talked a lot about the men's team, but Chelsea have a fantastic women's team and an unbelievable academy. Um, you know, it's easy to talk about Thomas Tuchel and the players, but, you know, the women's team are in the hunt for many trophies as well. Emma, it was so, so highly regarded by Roman and essentially given, you know, <laughs> every opportunity and, and every chance to do what she wants autonomously. Um, any kind of updates or rumblings for them, or is it all still kind of up in the air to see what the next move is? Well, only an idiot would disrupt the women's team or the academy. Yeah, so um, no, nobody's going to touch Emma Hayes in terms of what she does at Chelsea. Nobody's going to interfere with her responsibility. I just don't see that happening. Um, I only see the academy becoming more important, possibly under a new ownership, because let's be frank, you've had a very unique ownership model 
over the last 19 years, whereby one man will can and will just put in money to cover various costs on the wage bill or whatever. Um, you might not have that in future. And if, if the next donor can't or won't do that, then the, the academy surely only becomes more important to Chelsea. Um, Neil Bath has worked under Roman for a very long time and is very trusted by Roman. I don't know whether whether Neil would think anything different of his role, but as I say, only an idiot would come in and, and disturb those two things. I mean, they're, they're two of Chelsea's greatest strengths that in the grand scheme of things can't cost the club an awful lot of money and can probably make the club a lot of money too. So... No, I, I don't see any danger ahead for those. It would just, it would only, the only danger would be as if either Emma Hayes or, or Neil Bath decided that everything had changed for them because Roman went. But I've, I've certainly not had any signs of that. I think my only concern is that potentially the investment on the women's side goes away. Roman's talked so highly of it. Is it being the right thing to do? Not, you know, in terms of an investment, you know, where he's trying to get a return. So we can only hope to your point that continues. Um, as I kind of wrap my head around all this stuff, is Tuchel in the best position out of everyone? I mean, a new ownership group comes in. You think the first thing they want to do is they have a top, top manager who's won trophies at the club. Do they just come in, you think, and just back him right away? Is he kind of the the one to benefit the most in terms of being given a lot of power, um, at least in the short-term transition? Impossible question again, because it, it all just depends who comes in. Um, and Thomas is a strong character. Let's not forget that. If, if someone comes in and operates in a different way to Roman and is maybe a little bit more hands-on, because let's face it, Roman hasn't been hands-on at all in, in Thomas's uh, reign. And Thomas has said he likes that. If someone came in a little bit more hands-on, it could it could annoy Thomas, you know. But it's pure, it's an impossible question to answer because we don't know who's coming in. So it's an impossible question to answer. If it were me coming in, if I was taking over Chelsea... First thing I would do is try and give Thomas Tuchel another new contract as the real statement of intent and tell the guy, we don't know what happened before, but we're, we're here to back you. We want to give you a new contract and we want you to take the lead. That would be my move, but that's not to say it's someone else's move. It's, it's a complete unknown. Um, but Thomas Tuchel's in a very powerful situation anyway, because let's face it, Thomas Tuchel is not going to be in any problem, whether it be at Chelsea or not at Chelsea. He's not going to be in any problem whatsoever. I, I, I'm confident it will be at Chelsea. I have no reason to believe it won't be at Chelsea. But he, he's in a very good position. And again, a bit like I just said with, with the women in the academy, I, I don't think it'd be very bright to come in and, and do anything but back Thomas Tuchel, certainly in the short term. Well, and, and, and Matt, kind of rounding out this conversation, I think the one thing people might want to try to do in addition to, um, you know, being as patient as possible because this is a process and anytime multiple billions of dollars are being generated to purchase something, uh, it's not like just going down to the store and uh, picking up your gallon of milk. Uh, this, this is complex in a different way. How people should probably not uh, read too much into any transfer rumors from probably this point forward because the new ownership group, whoever that is or individual, is going to have a way different opinion of what Chelsea are looking to do? Or do you think Marina's going to have some plans in place and say, look, here you can go, here's some options, but, you know, you obviously come in with a different set of funding, different set of desires, different set of way you might want to work, but here's at least what I've got on, on lay for you if you really want to kind of take an option. Wow. Um, I, I don't know, guys, you know, I'm sorry, but I just, 
I don't know. It's impossible to know that. Yeah. Um, I, w- I wouldn't like to make a complete and utter guess in the dark at it. Um, look, Chelsea have got a lot there that they can present to a new owner and say, this is how we do things. And we believe we are the leaders in our field at doing them. And this is, if you, I, I'm told that some of the processes and things they have set up around around how they scout players and around how they do various things are just absolutely would blow your mind away. I, I haven't seen them, but I'm told that. So I can only believe that they would have a lot of things they could lay out in front of potential new owners or no, new owners and say, look, it's all here for you. We can carry on doing it our way very easily for you and educate you into our way, which has been very successful. Or you can do things your way or we'll do it in amalgamation of ways. I mean, Todd Bowley does have a part part ownership of a, a sports franchise, which you guys will be able to tell me, I believe has been very successful during his ownership. I believe they've won titles and, and broken records for transfer fees and things like that. So he might have some of the, his own ways that he's learned from American sports, but it's not, that's not to say the two things can't marry up either. Um, but it's not, it's not the answer you want, but I just don't know. I just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. but I think that's the the good way to round it out is that there's a lot of uncertainty still with as much great reporting as you've done to get us to this point to understand the the context and the situation. Uh, this is all still uh, football on the backdrop of a war and crisis in the Ukraine and those people and our kind of thoughts are with them first. And this is all really secondary conversation. And uh, while it is a problem for people <laughs> to think about, uh, it's not the the primary one to land on. Yeah, look, I understand why it, it does remain important in people's lives, because let's face it, we can't all just always consume such horrific and bad news have that 24 hours a day in our thoughts some people have to because it's their jobs um but i think a lot of people would find that very difficult and i think it's fine for people to find an escape within football to relieve some of that pressure of the outside world and i don't think people should be embarrassed about that uh my job is to obviously report on that and you know yesterday was a weird day because i was completely consumed in roman abramovich and chelsea yesterday up until probably 9 p.m. UK and I sit down to relax with a beer and obviously then I switch the news on and you think, oh my God, what I've been consumed in all day just doesn't mean anything, let's face it. But you you have to, you can't, if you let yourself, well, if, if you got into a situation where you didn't let your, your mind wander onto some easier things, I think it would be what is already a very difficult situation for people to process would be even more difficult. So, while I totally agree that these things are insignificant in the worldview, I also don't think we should be embarrassed to continue to talk about them and consider them and have an importance attached to them because otherwise, oh my God, you know, everything's horrific enough as it is. You know what I mean? And I don't think anyone's ever trying to claim that any of this would ever be as important as everything else that is going on. Well, Matt, I'm glad we were able to get you in on uh, kind of heading into the end of a very, very uh, busy week plus for you and get a little sprinkling of life advice at the end as well. I think uh, we've capped this one off pretty nicely. (laughs) Cheers, guys. Sorry if that got a little bit heavy there. Unfortunately, I still don't see a day off for me in the near future. So next time you speak to me, I may be struggling to keep my eyes open. 
<laughs> well, uh, we'll uh, uh, we'll order some coffee uh, direct to your house for you if that's the case. But uh, Matt, uh, absolute pleasure as always. We really appreciate you coming in and giving the listeners a really great understanding about what's going on. Uh, Brandon, thanks for being here as well. Uh, and uh, Nick, enjoy your vacation uh, wherever you are, Florida. Uh, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.